Welcome to the Pastor's Study. I'm Pastor Rocky Fritz coming to you from the First Baptist Church in Amboy, Illinois. I encourage you to follow along in your Bible with pen and notebook in hand as we study the scriptures verse by verse and word by word. We are currently traveling the Romans road. Gather your things together and turn in your New Testament to Paul's epistle to the Romans, or what we usually refer to as the Book of Romans. Today we will begin in Romans chapter number 2 and look at the first nine verses of this chapter. And we need to understand as we get into this chapter that in Paul's eyes, as in the eyes of Jews of his day, there were two kinds of people in the world. There were the Jews and those that were not Jews or Gentiles. Now scripture very clearly declares that all men are guilty of sin and lost before a holy God. And these verses ought to first and foremost remind us that no matter where we are in life, we're no better or worse off than others. We're all condemned as guilty sinners. And verse number one says, Therefore thou art inexcusable, O man, whosoever thou art that judgest. For wherein thou judgest another, thou condemnest thyself. For thou that judgest doest the same things. The judgment and the condemnation that we are looking at in these verses is not my judgment and my condemnation, but God's judgment and God's condemnation. When we understand this, we see, as the scripture teaches, that I may not be guilty of a particular act or sin on the outside, but I am guilty of the heart and mind. Jesus expounded this truth in what we call the Sermon on the Mount in Matthew chapter 5, 6, and 7, where he said, for example, if I think evil of another, I've committed murder against that man in my heart. Now understand there is a difference between a crime against man and a sin against God, but we're focusing on the sinfulness in our standing before God. The case is being made here for our guilt before God. In verse number 2 it says, But we are sure that the judgment of God is according to truth against them which commit such things. God's judgment is according to truth. And God's truth only is pure truth. Now my understanding of truth is partial or limited. It's subject to my perception. However, God sees and knows everything. He is omniscient or all-knowing. He is omnipresent or present at all times, in all places. In God's eyes, I am as guilty on the inside as the vilest sinner is on the outside. Now we're asked two rhetorical questions in verses number 3. In four. These are questions that are making a point. We're not necessarily looking for an answer in these questions. Verse number three says, And thinkest thou this, O man, that judgest them which do such things, and doest the same, that thou shalt escape the judgment of God? In other words, will God judge others and overlook my sin? And verse number four says, Or despisest thou the riches of his goodness and forbearance and long suffering, not knowing that the goodness of God leadeth thee to repentance? In other words, will God offer me mercy 
and grace and forgiveness and not offer that same mercy and grace and forgiveness to others that are in the same situation that I'm in? Now, verse number 5 says, But after thy hardness and impotent heart treasures up unto thyself wrath against the day of wrath and revelation of the righteous judgment of God. You see, when we condemn others without seeing our own sinfulness, the scripture says we're heaping God's wrath upon ourselves. That statement, treasures up, means to store up or make deposits, adding to our own condemnation or heaping judgment upon ourselves. And look at the statement against the day of wrath and revelation of the righteous judgment of God. That's speaking of the final judgment day. In other words, we're making our case worse and seeking to make ourselves righteous in our own eyes compared to others. In verse number five says, who will render to every man according to his deeds? Of course, we're referring again to the judgment of God where we will all stand before God as individuals, as naked, no one to hide behind, and nothing to blame our sin upon. We'll be judged according to our deeds. This includes not only our actions, but our thoughts and our characters. And we need to mention that it's not our deeds or our acts that uh, make us right before God. Our deeds or our works do not bring us into a right relationship with God, but they are a result of having a right relationship with God. We read in verse number 7, To them who by patient continuance in well-doing seek for glory and honor and immortality, eternal life. We see in this verse the final reward for those who seek after God in truth. Notice the phrase patient continuance or literally hopeful and patient endurance. In other words, we're in for the long haul. The idea is to seek God's truth and willing to go wherever that quest may lead us. Seeking his, his path to righteousness and not that of my own making or my own understanding. And the word seek for, they're earnestly searching for. Remember Jesus' parable of the lost coin. Uh, when they found that coin that they sought so desperately for, the rejoicing that comes at the end of that search. Uh, Jesus said in Matthew 7 and verse number 7, Seek and ye shall find, knock, and it shall be open unto you. You see, we seek justification through faith. And Hebrews chapter 11 gives us the promise that God is the rewarder of them that diligently seek Him. Now, the end of that seeking, we're given a few words here that describe for us what heaven is all about. The word glory refers to the brightness and the holy presence of God. Honor literally means highly valued or esteemed. In other words, he's worthy of all our praise and our worship as we gather around the throne in heaven. And we will find immortality literally incorruption. There's no death or decay or dying there, but rather eternal life. Now in verse number 8 starts out with that word, but, or contrarywise, or those who reject God's redemption. 
but unto them that are contentious and do not obey the truth, but obey unrighteousness, indignation, and wrath. Uh, they're contentious. They're quarrelsome. They would rather seek their own way of obtaining God's righteousness, declaring their own way of righteousness. It says they obey not the truth. They seek their own truth rather than God's truth. They obey unrighteousness. They choose their own path and, and follow their own heart instead of God's path. In Romans chapter number 10, the Apostle Paul is praying for his own people and he declares that he fully understands where they are for he himself was once there he said for i bear them record that they have a zeal of god but not according to knowledge for they being ignorant of god's righteousness and going about to establish their own righteousness have not submitted themselves unto the righteousness of god what they're going to find is indignation and wrath. Now, these are two very similar words that mean violent anger. The difference between these two words is the first is referring to a temporary anger or violence. The second is referring to a permanent or eternal uh, wrath of God. In verse number 9, we continue with the end of those who reject God's grace and tribulation and anguish upon every soul of man that doeth evil. And we're going to stop there, but look at those words. A tribulation literally means pressed down, oppressed. They're afflicted. It's of their own doing that they're facing these trials. And the word anguish means literally narrowly pressed. They're put in a place where there's nowhere to turn, nowhere to find relief because they've rejected God's truth. And it says, upon every soul of man that doeth evil, every individual speaks here of our personal accountability to God that doeth evil or is living accordance to their sin nature or their fallen Adamic nature. This is the end. This is the consequences of those who reject God's plan of righteousness and go about to establish their own righteousness. What God's doing here in this chapter is showing the condemnation of all men, whether Jew or Gentile. Whether we feel ourselves righteous or lost sinners, we're condemned before a holy God. I close today with this question. Have you had a personal encounter with the person of God? This is the gospel, the good news as presented in the book of Romans. First of all, that God the Father sent the law to convince and convict me of my sin. Secondly, the Lord Jesus Christ died and rose to redeem me from sin's penalty of death. And thirdly, the Holy Spirit administers God's grace and transforms me into a son of God. This book describes in detail God's only way of salvation and sanctification. You see, when God works in our lives, He begins a work of transformation. This transformation begins at the moment of salvation and will not be complete until we are living forever in His presence. 
Now, I look forward to the next leg of our journey as we travel the Romans Road.